Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Stay golden, Pony Boy. It's episode number 45 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's most large and in charge Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me this evening is my prison buddy, Mr. Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam? Good, Doug. How are you? Liam, I'm committed to not asking you about your child on this episode. Is that right? Have you done it too much? Yeah, no, it's just that I don't want every episode to start with me asking about your child. Not to mention, what if I was to ask one time, and you were right. to reply, my child is not doing well, Doug? I <laughs> I mean, I do have uh, problems with being... I feel like we're talking about it right now! <laughs> I do have problems with being too emotionally open to you, Doug, because you're Canadian wiles. Yeah. I just put down my defenses. I can't help it. Sometimes I kind of leak into your subconscious and i don't even mean to do it but i'm just there just trying to bring stuff to the surface i I think that's fair i mean i'm sure that's uh a way for you to hide yourself and not let anyone see what you're thinking or feeling at any time you know i just realized tonight when we're recording this is saint patrick's day it is and that's a very important holiday for some people i guess (laughs) But it must be particularly important to you, Liam, because of your last name, which is so very Irish. I mean, uh, my first name is also so very Irish. I mean, my- I feel like there's been some debate about that. <laughs> my whole name is basically like Seamus McShamrock over here. It's like mm-hmm. not patio furniture. Yeah, no, totally. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I've never understood. Even though my mom is very much obsessed with her Irish heritage, I've never understood St. Patrick's. I've never understood the point of it. Well, can you explain to the listeners what St. Patrick's Day is? We have a lot of international listeners who might not know. Uh, sure. Um, mm-hmm. It's... I, 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 oh, boy. Holy so, shit. I don't really know. I know there's... You got to understand. Okay, so I'm not Catholic. So it comes, I'm assuming, from an actual Saint's Day for Patrick, right? Like, that's a real thing. But the celebration in America is just like... Everyone pretends they're Irish. People wear green. They get really mm-hmm. drunk. They pinch each other or something. If you're really like uh, a, a real party pooper, you wear orange and remind people that you're a Protestant for some fucked up reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in general, I, I mean, at least in the northeastern part of the United States, it's not St. Patrick's Day. For a month, people wear green and get drunk every fucking weekend in the city. Every weekend. Now, Liam, I have to ask you a question. Yeah. What What do you think about the color green? I like it. It's fine. All right. Well, I'm glad that, that was a very simple answer instead of that sputtering nonsense that you just gave as a definition <laughs> of what St. Patrick's Day is. I don't really know. I mean, what, what, what do people who actually celebrate it as a religious holiday, what do they do? How do you honor St. Patrick? I have no idea. Well, as a legitimate Irish person. I'll tell you exactly what they do. Please do. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I pretty much ignore it, and I'm not really a drinker. So I, I was just walking my uh, dog just a few minutes ago, and there were a lot of people wearing green, looking drunk on the side of the street in the downtown of the area in which I live. And all I felt was kind of anxious at the idea that some of them might accidentally knock on my windows a little bit later. I think that's fair. Sounds fair to me. Shut up, Liam. Mm-hmm. 
Because <laughs> we have a guest who, by the way, is waiting very patiently for us to stop talking about this fucking nonsense. Our guest today is the host of a different podcast focusing on the minutia of film, but instead of watching Eric Roberts' films, he's watching films featuring innovative, imaginative, and ingenious helicopter explosions. That's right. It's the host of the Exploding Helicopter podcast, Will Slater. How you doing, Will? I'm doing really well. Thanks for uh, having me on. Will, you are across the pond, as they say. I certainly am. I am in London, England, or as we like to call it, uh, London. Lund- Lund- jolly old London town is how I feel like you describe it. <laughs> yeah, it's very jolly here. Is it? Exceedingly jolly, yes, as we uh, commit economic suicide by leaving the uh, European Union. We are now, absolutely cock-a-hoop. Now explain to us um, here in North America, uh, what's that whole Brexit thing about? Oh, it's a long story. No, yeah, please start story. at the beginning. <laughs> I feel like people tune into the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast because they want to get up to the minute political discussion. Well, I'll keep it as short and sweet as I can. I think there's a, there's some parallels with America. So I think there is a, a sense amongst a large chunk of the population that they have been economically left behind. Mm. And the referendum was an opportunity to deliver a knee to the political groin of our leaders. And uh, that's what they did. Hear that, Liam? That's how you describe something in a succinct and intelligent way. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> no, I know. I just wanted you to maybe learn a lesson. You have to explain to me, Will, why exploding helicopters? Well, I was watching a, a very trashy film, which actually kind of ties into uh, the one of the film we're going to be looking at today. I was watching a trashy film. Uh, uh, Robocop knockoff called uh, Cyborg Cop mm-hmm. and uh, a friend of mine who I was watching it with uh, this helicopter hoved interview and they just said I bet that helicopter is about to explode sure <laughs> enough a few minutes later uh, it did and it that just planted a seed in my mind that actually helicopter, helicopters explode in movies an awful lot of time like statistically they are very dangerous vehicles to get into and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people celebrate lots of other movie tropes, and this one just seemed to be really uh, not being recognised, not being kind of catalogued. So I thought I would step into that breach and uh, take on the mantle of, uh, you know, documenting and celebrating helicopter explosions in film. Do you ever worry, Will, that you may hit bottom on this whole thing where you've just run out of movies with helicopter explosions? In fact, it's kind of the opposite. Uh, problems. I have these long, dark nights of the souls where I realise what uh, a Sisyphean task has opened up before me because I did think that I probably would get on top of this at at some stage or another. But what I'm realising now is actually that this is I could carry on doing this for the rest of my life and I still probably wouldn't finish the task. Again, we ha- we are very much kindred spirits in that particular feeling. <laughs> Sometimes some people ask me, they're like, well, I mean, you're going to run out of movies. And I'm like, Eric Roberts has something like 45 movies in production. I don't think that that's necessarily a concern. I do have to ask, Will, I'm sure everyone listening right now wants to know, what is your favorite helicopter explosion? Oh, I've got many favourites, mm-hmm. but uh, the one I probably do enjoy the most is right at the end of Rambo 3, where you have uh, oh, yes. Sylvester Stallone in a tank and this crazed uh, Russian general in a big kind of uh, Milhind 24 helicopter. 
and for for reasons known only unto the two characters in the movie, uh, they just decide to uh, have a basically charge at each other, and it's uh, it's chopper on tank carnage. It's wonderful. That's certainly one of my favorites. I'm actually going to go over to you for a second, Liam. Liam, do you have a favorite exploding helicopter? Oh, I don't boy. think I don't I don't I don't know if I do actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to look into this now because it seems like such an important question to answer that you would have one sequence that stuck out. I'm sure whichever one it was, it probably involved um, uh, Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger because I feel like those films always have a helicopter exploding. But I don't know. Off the top I feel of my like head. you're playing favorites because you were in a film with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, when I met him on the set of Creed, and we became fast friends. You went, you son of a bitch. It was so weird that he picked me out of the crowd of hundreds of people. I can't believe he, he danced with me. you in the middle of the ring like that. Yeah, well, to be fair, that was more as a, a, a form of punishment, you know. Strangely enough, my favorite exploding helicopter, not that you asked, Liam, but my favorite is is really a parody of the one that Will said, which is from the film UHF, the Weird Al movie, where uh, he uh, is continually blowing up things inside a helicopter, including uh, a very similar <laughs> helicopter. I think, wait, is it a helicopter? Yeah, I think it is in yeah. UHF. Yeah, and, and uh, I it's one of those ones when I think of exploding helicopters, I think that's the one that sticks in my mind the most. Or I should say it was the one that stuck in my head the most until maybe one of the features that we're discussing today on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Gotta start, before we get to the Roberts report, Will, what do you like or dislike about Eric Roberts? What I like about Eric Roberts, he's actually a really versatile actor, I think. He can do, he can do sleaze, he can do charming, mm-hmm. He's he can do a bit of everything and he can do it uh, actually uh, really well. And he can often sometimes do some of those elements within the same performance. So I think he's uh, he's somebody who's actually got quite a lot of range. And I feel like that range is something that we're actually, thankfully, very much primed to look at because the two, uh, two projects that we're covering today uh, feature very different Eric Roberts performances. They certainly do. He is, uh, I think, holding the ship together in uh, one of these projects, and uh, he <laughs> and he uh, gets to have uh, a really sort of good, juicy, uh, long monologue in uh, the other project. And uh, yeah, he's able to stretch more of his uh, acting muscles there, safe in the knowledge that he's uh, he's not holding, uh, he's not trying to keep the sinking ship above water. <laughs> Well, we will take a look at those projects right after we discuss the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's The Roberts Report for episode number 45 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And we actually have some gigantic major news on this episode. Uh <laughs> It's so weird that, and I, I found this so strange that I actually, uh, some of you, the listeners might know that I co-host a podcast about Eric Roberts. You're listening to it right now, <laughs> and because of that, we actually are supposed to keep up on the latest Eric Roberts news. So what I do, and this is just a little peek behind the curtain, is I do searches and I have a Google alert for Eric Roberts on the internet, on the world wide web, and that keeps me abreast of the latest Eric Roberts news somehow. I missed the fact 
uh, that Eric Roberts was on uh, the most recent episode, as of the time we were recording this, of Grey's Anatomy, which I understand is a very popular uh, television show on the uh, uh, American Broadcasting Corporation Network. Uh, and, um, though I've never watched an episode of the show myself, of course I will, I'll have to watch this episode at some point, but uh, it kind of took me by surprise. I should say, however, I didn't feel too bad about missing out on the fact that Eric Roberts was going to be in this episode because I was joined in missing out by one Mr. Eric Roberts himself, who tweeted, uh, just yesterday, just got a beautiful email from at shoot underscore the underscore noise. That the at Gray's ABC I had the honor of guesting on has aired. I missed it! Exclamation point at (laughs) TiVo. (laughs) So Eric Roberts himself was not aware when his Gray's Anatomy episode was going to air. So the fact that I missed it entirely, though thankfully actually someone uh, kind of tipped me off that it was happening just yesterday. uh, I don't feel so bad about it, but I do have to ask, Will, are you a fan of the Gray's Anatomy? I have never watched a single episode, but obviously I will be rectifying that now that I know Eric Roberts is appearing in it. Well, you do, you have not made a blood oath, so you, you sir, we're not going to hold you to the fact that you have to watch that episode. I am so relieved. Yes, I've let you off the hook, but only briefly. Uh, I, now, do you have a favorite hospital drama? Ooh, I don't know if... Uh, would, uh, would Diagnosis Murder count as a hospital drama? With the great Cockney legend Dick Van Dyke? I think so. Well, I love that show. Uh, It's, you know, crime solving in a hospital with uh, Dick Van Dyke, the always effervescent Dick Van Dyke. You know, what's not to like? And I believe Charlie Schlater was also on that show, uh, star of Miss, what was that, Miss Island and the, anyway, the stupid, awful movie that we covered on this broadcast with Eric Roberts and uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, and you'd have to dig way back into the archives to uh, to uh, take a look at that particular uh, film. Boy, it was bad. I think it might be the worst thing we ever covered on this. Liam, favorite hospital drama? I don't... I, I think the only one I ever watched regularly was ER when it was right. first on. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I enjoyed it very much. Like, I, I watched it because it was kind of like a cultural... Like, everybody was watching it, in my mind at least, sure. at that time. But I only made it through that one season, and then I thought, why am I watching this goddamn show? So, I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever really... Oh, no, I'm wrong. Nurse Jackie. Nurse All Jackie right. is my favorite one. Yeah, another HBO drama, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Showtime. Showtime? Well... Fuck me, then. <laughs> Over on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed recently, Eric Roberts said, and this is going to be rather controversial, so hold on to your hats. He wrote, I'll take a love-based world over a hate-based world any day. Love fits our short life way better than hate fits any life at all. Uh, Liam, starting with you, could you see that written on a meme that maybe your uh, aunt, uncle might post on Facebook? Sure. I'm wondering if uh, if in the picture it's two kids hugging yes. or if it's just like a like a sunset or a sunrise. Well, let me tell you about this comic strip called Love Is. It's about two naked infants <laughs> <laughs> who are married. <laughs> uh, do you agree with the sentiment here, Will? I do. I mean, Eric Roberts is clearly a, he's clearly a man of deep thought, of, of profound thought and... Uh, I want to go out and spread some love now. You know, there was another great man. Uh, you might know him. Um, and he said, uh, what the world needs now 
is love, sweet love. And of course, Liam, you know that that was Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I really thought it was Kermit the Frog. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Burt Bacharach. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Eric Roberts also recently tweeted on March 14th, the way... <laughs> Sorry, this is, this is quite something. <clears throat> the way we feel... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <clears throat> the, the way we feel when we hear the words in the Martian, we got him. The world rejoicing over someone being saved. Will we ever feel that way again? Starting with you, Will, will we ever feel that way again? I I don't think we're ever going to feel that way about Matt Damon growing potatoes in space. So I, I agree with Eric Roberts. Doesn't he seem to be suggesting that, like, does he want us to leave someone on Mars that we have to, have to, have to rescue? <laughs> like, is this what he's... I think he, I think he wants someone to be in mortal danger, but is saved at the last moment. And I feel like that that does happen on a semi-regular basis. But maybe it's the scope of the danger that he was talking about. Or perhaps Eric Roberts was just watching The Martian and it just, you know, kind of occurred to him that, you know, we just don't have those big moments like you have at the end of that movie where I guess Matt Damon makes it home. I'm pretty sure he does. I did see that in the cinema. What did you think of The Martian there, Liam? Never saw it. Uh, I, Great. I really, I really want to read. I, I know this is a weird thing that because I usually am fine with movies, but I was interested in reading the book first and I started the book and then the movie came out and I just never got it done. Uh, I, I did not read the book, but uh, my family members did, and they all loved it. They really, really did enjoy it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I think they all felt that the movie did a reasonable job of translating that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it at some point. It's just it, it's also not something that felt like a priority to me. Well, that's fair enough, because you have other priorities in your life, namely one Mr. Eric Roberts, who, by the way, seems to suggest that you should watch The Martian. So why don't you get on that, brother? Liam? Yeah? <laughs> Did you know that Nollywood is <laughs> Did you know that Nollywood is coming of age and everyone should take notice? I that's... did know that. Yeah, that's according to the atlantablackstar.com website, which has an article recently about the uh the the growing success of Nollywood. Now Nollywood of course is the Nigerian film industry and um a lot of the films that I've seen from Nigeria they tend to be actually genre films and tend to be very, very strange and very low budget. But the budgets are skyrocketing so much, in, in fact, that they can afford to have Hollywood A-list actors like Eric Roberts in them. How exciting is that? Really exciting. Uh, Liam, uh, have you ever seen a Nollywood film? I have not. I've been told I should, though. Is there a place I should start? Uh, no. Uh, I, I'm disappointed, actually. I thought you consider yourself some sort of expert in the filmic arts, so this fe- feels like a big blind spot for you. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of blind spots, I would say, and so, yes, I would like to see more of these films. I thought you, an expert on all things metropolitan and cosmopolitan, would be able to recommend something, but apparently you don't know enough to recommend anything, so Perhaps I, guess I don't we're feel in the same like boat. you've earned a recommendation. <laughs> Will, <laughs> Will uh, your own thoughts on the Nigerian film industry? Well, I think if any man can bridge the Nigerian-American cultural divide, it's Eric Roberts. I agree 110%. And in fact, we should be looking for a film called The Candidate, 
with popular veteran Hollywood actor Eric Roberts, which will be coming soon from uh, from the Nollywood film industry. And hopefully we'll get a wide release here. I, I'm very curious, by the way. I, I love the idea that Eric Roberts kind of just goes around the world wherever... Eric Roberts is needed. They throw up the Eric Roberts signal, and he will be there, and he will make a movie in Nigeria, because why the fuck not? We should be looking for the candidate at some point in the future. Speaking of some point in the future, you should be looking for Prayer Never Fails. Now, this is a movie that we talked about previously. I'm going to guess that it's faith-based because of that title. (laughs) It was filmed in Madison. Is that in Wisconsin, Liam? Uh, From what I understand, yes. Have you ever been to Wisconsin? Uh, I have. I went, I drove to uh, a big island in the Great Lakes that had, it was kind of like a resorty kind of place. Oh, okay. I thought it was a garbage dump uh, that's led by racists and homophobic people. Is that correct? Uh, I'm sure parts of it are like that, yes. Well, this movie, Liam, written and directed by Wes Miller, tells the story of a basketball coach who was fired for praying with a student and the ensuing legal drama that unfolds. Established actors Nick Lashaway from The X-Files, Eric Roberts from The Dark Knight, his most famous role, <laughs> and, Loren- and Lorenzo Lamas from The Bold and the Beautiful, and of course the uh, Republican National Convention from last year, uh, were joined by an extensive cast of local residents who I'm guessing were much less expensive. So the DVD is going to be available throughout the country at Walmart, and Redbox and on digital platforms such as iTunes and Amazon starting on April 4th. So we, Liam, are going to watch a film called Prayer Never Fails. Now, um, I know that you, of course, have a faith-based background, Liam. Okay. Yeah. Will, how about yourself? Do you have a affinity for faith-based cinema? I am utterly godless. So oh. yes, I probably have very little affinity with uh, faith-based movies. Now, say you were the coach of a basketball team, and uh, and one of your players wanted to pray, and then uh, he was fired for some reason. He was thrown off the team because of his tendency to start praying when he should be shooting hoops and uh, slamming <laughs> dunks. <laughs> How, would you take that to a court to make sure he had the right to fuck up your basketball game with his prayer? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. Oh, you're, you're putting me in a, in a difficult quandary there. I think I think he should have the the right to observe observe his faith. But That's you know, true. If, you're, if you're getting in the way of my team winning a match, then I think I'm going to be pretty ruthless. I'm probably gonna I am probably going to take you to court so you can never goddamn fuck up my team again. There you go. See, I feel this is what the British have to show us um, here in North America. It, they are very even handed. They recognize that people should be able to pray, but if they fuck up the game, they they basically need to burn in hell. Is that right, Liam? Don't pull me into this quagmire. Liam, 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 is basketball your game? No. No? How good are you at it? Let's say you and I, now I'm not very athletic, as you know, but say we were going one-on-one. I'm six foot six. I could destroy you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yes, but you'd also have to be able to move around and stuff, which is not one of your things that you're good at. Oh, boy. You know what? You got me pegged, sir. However, (laughs) however, I feel – oh, boy. Now I'm not so sure because, you know, uh, the the game of basketball, the sport, was invented by a Canadian. 
Was it? I actually didn't know that. Dr. James Naismith was the creator of basketball, and every person in Canada knows that because we have these things, and Canadians listening right now will know this. We have things called Heritage Minutes, which were these... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. you've told me about these before, Mm -hmm. yeah. These short things about Canadian history that would air during commercial breaks on uh, on Canadian television stations. So certain elements of our history, and they were kind of campy in a lot of ways, so they stuck in people's brains, even though they were like 20 years old at this point. But one of them was about the creation of basketball, and it involved peach baskets. So I feel like it's in my blood as a Canadian that I should be able to dunk on your ass. I mean... you could definitely dunk on me. I am not. Basketball is a sport for which I have no skills whatsoever. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll just leave it at that until the opportunity arises. Uh, some sad news today on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Uh, formerly, previously on this podcast, we have mentioned that Eric Roberts and his uh, lovely wife, they had a radio show. Uh, it was actually a sort of like a video radio show that you could watch. And despite the fact that you and I, Liam, have a uh, Eric Roberts-related podcast, I've never watched a complete episode of it. I figured that eventually we'd have to watch it all. Well, that might be a little more difficult now because the uh, radio station, Tradio V, the online radio station that hosted the show, Encounters, is no longer of this world. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, listener Adam Meal. Uh, I'm sorry if I uh, am fucking up the pronunciation. It could be Melee. Do you think Melee, maybe, Liam? I would go with Melee, but that that's probably wrong. Yeah, so Adam Meal slash Melee, I want to give you a big shout out. He's actually in the process of doing an Eric Roberts-related art piece, and you should definitely check out his work at washbasin.tumblr.com. Uh, and, uh, and he let us know that, unfortunately, that radio show is no longer on the air, which means, actually, that I have to get over and see if I can somehow pull those archives out, because you know why, Liam? We're going to have to do it. Yeah, no, but why? Why are we going to have to do it? Because of the blood oath. Blood oath. That's correct. And it sounds like you were mocking it, but I'll let it go for now. (laughs) Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2015's There Is Many Like Us. Now, you might be thinking that I'm mocking the title of There Is Many Like Us, but for some reason on the Internet Movie Database, the word is is capitalized in the title There Is Many Like Us. And this is strange, Liam. You'll get a kick out of this. It's a documentary. That's hmm. right. Eric Roberts in a documentary? It happened. And the, the plot involves, in 1943, Max Fronenberg spent one year digging a secret underground tunnel to escape out of a prison camp in Warsaw, Poland during the Holocaust while saving 15 other prisoners in the process and forced to leave behind the love of his life, Rina, in the prison. If that's a true story, which it sounds like it is, it sounds harrowing. It sounds interesting. It sounds like a documentary I want to watch. Apparently, it has not been released yet, even though the uh, the year listed on the Internet Movie Database is 2015. But it will feature Eric Roberts as Lieutenant Router. I guess they have um, some sort of like recreation of some of these events, which makes sense because obviously there wouldn't be any footage of what's actually being discussed. Very interesting, very uh, terrifying in a lot of ways sounding story. And I'm very curious to check it out and notice that even though i said eric roberts is playing a character named lieutenant router i didn't say that he was providing wi-fi for all the other soldiers uh and what do you think about my little joke i made there liam (laughs) terrible (laughs) fucking terrible Uh um do you think the is is capitalized because it's supposed to be r explain well you would say there are many like us not there is many like us right or am i wrong oh there are. You're right. It is. It is grammatically incorrect to say there is many like us, unless maybe it's a quote in some context. Will, That's what I'm thinking. Will, what do you think? Are you going to be checking out? There is many like us. 
I think I might do because it sounds like uh, one of those movies. One of those movies. Well, a lot of those movies that got made in the nineteen uh, eighties about uh, about people, American soldiers going back to Vietnam to like rescue their buddies. And this this kind of uh, there seems like an element here that he could be going back to uh, to rescue the love of his life in this prison. So uh, I I am curious. the The documentary element element of it does confuse me. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, let's just uh, wait till it comes out and find out then. I think you're I- extremely mistaken on what the plot of this is going to entail. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. And uh, let's get your thoughts just briefly, Will, just if you could just summarize quickly on the Holocaust. <laughs> it was a very dark chapter in humanity. Mm-hmm. Liam, your thoughts? Real bad. Real bad. Okay, that's two two votes for bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll go with you. It was a bad thing. Very, very bad. And honestly, I don't know why I brought it up. <laughs> Coming up after our first break, we're going to be discussing the year 2000's film, The Alternate, uh, chosen by our guest today. And I want to just quickly ask you, Will... Why the alternate? Why are we watching the alternate? What were you thinking making us watch the alternate? What was I thinking? Yeah, that is mm-hmm. a very good that is a very good question. Well, when I uh, was in, when, I, when I was invited onto this show, I kind of did a, a a Venn diagram of the world of Eric Roberts movies and the world of exploding helicopters movies and those two worlds do intersect at one tiny point and that point is the alternate. So that Beautiful. is why I chose this film. Beautifully said. And despite my weird reservations just then as I was discussing that with you, I'm very excited to be talking about the alternate. I'm very excited about the choices that you made, Will, because we're going to have fun talking about this exciting, action-packed feature right after this first break. We will be right back. President of the United States in the midst of negative public opinion is kidnapped while attending a charity function. Initially, we discover that the kidnapping was planned by his chief of staff to boost his poll ratings as the re-election is one week away. However, one of the kidnappers decides the opportunity for gain is too strong and turns it into a real kidnapping. What he didn't expect is another member of his group to foil his plan. It's 2000s The Alternate, starring Eric Roberts as The Alternate, Brian uh, Jeunesse, let's go with Jeunesse, as the leader, he's also the writer of the film, and one Mr. Ice-T as Agent Williams, and also Michael Madsen as Agent Jack Briggs. Yes, it's a star-studded 
action affair on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. I want to start briefly, by the way, to mentioning that the film is directed by Sam Furstenberg. And you may not recognize that name, but you probably will recognize some of the work he has provided. He was the director of some classic pieces of cinema, including Break Into Electric Boogaloo, the original American Ninja, which, by the way, I must have seen a thousand goddamn times when I was a kid. As well as uh, the the ninja movies uh, Revenge of the Ninja and Ninja 3 The Domination, which I believe were both sequels to Enter the Ninja, ninja with Shokasogi. Uh, and uh, he also directed American Ninja 2, Delta Force 3, as well as a movie already mentioned in this episode, Cyborg Cop that uh, influenced the very podcast that Will has at the moment. He also directed Cyborg Cop 2, and his most recent movie is The Interplanetary Surplus Male and Amazon Women of Outer Space. So he's obviously doing very, very well. Let's start (laughs) with our guest today, Will. What are your thoughts on 2000's The Alternate? Well, the cover of this movie has, in the tradition of Die Hard, emblazoned across it, and... Unfortunately, like a lot of traditions, the origins and meanings have somehow got lost along the way because where Die Hard is a sort of brilliantly plotted, uh, it's got a great script, superbly staged action sequences, uh, the alternate has a ludicrous plot, uh, a banal script, and some of the most ineptly staged action I've I've ever seen. Um, This is a, a deeply terrible movie, yet I had loads of fun with this movie. It is played totally straight, yet it's got a kind of unself-conscious goofiness to it. And some of the stuff that goes on in this movie just has to be seen to be believed. Yes. And in fact, if you do want to see some of that, I I posted some video clips over on my Twitter feed, and we'll link that, of course, in the show notes and some of those clips as well. The action in this movie is completely ludicrous. I feel like, and, and we can talk about this in just a little bit, that some of the gunplay in this movie might have been influenced by the uh, John Woo-inspired Hong Kong action that was uh, very popular in the very early 2000s when this came out, though, of course, uh, acted out in the most incompetent possible way. And it's it's beautiful. There are like like five, six-minute-long scenes of people just shooting at nothing in particular, just tons of squibs going off everywhere. The, the editing is awful so you can't really tell who's where or why and then it's just eric roberts just rolling around in the background rolling through the scene to get to a certain point so he can pull a rug out from under somebody but we need to get a counterpoint we have a point a very good point i would say by will quality movie badly done let's go over to liam's take what did you think of the alternate liam i didn't like it you did not like the alternate. No, no, I did not. I, now, I think actually I agree with some of what Will said, but my, my problem was that um, with a movie like this, I, I need something more to kind of pull me in so I'm not distracted by the things I find frustrating. So, for example, you were describing the action scenes, which are edited poorly. They lack anything like momentum or stakes. Uh, it's just people holding guns. And then another shot of someone else holding a gun. And it's not even always clear what the space relationship is between these people. I mean, mm-hmm. when they're when the groups of people are shooting each other in a room that's smaller than the office I'm in right now. And then <laughs> someone throws, is that supposed to be a smoke grenade? <laughs> and like the, the gunfire doesn't scare them away, but they're like, oh, smoke grenade. We got to get out of here. You know, like what is even going on in that scene? So I, I, there's things like that that I find humorous. But um, 
for whatever reason, it never tipped over into I'm amused enough that I'm having fun with it. I just... I, I honestly just found it kind of boring. There was two. It, it, I, I will say I was I was on board at first, especially Ice T showing up as a goddamn Secret Service guy was just <laughs> unbelievable. I was just like, ah, what? Why is he here? What's going on with this fucking movie? I spent but, the whole movie thinking, when's Ice T coming back? And then he never does. Nope. But then nope. when the when the plot really makes its turn when you get the full picture of what's going on that felt like that should be just before the end and there's so much movie after that that is unnecessary for me including the fight sequence on the roof (laughs) no fucking thank you i was just done i was done with the movie at that point okay so let me just uh, i told you a plot summary but you need to kind of know how these pieces fit together basically uh an ex-cia agent has kidnapped the president he has some people helping them he is basically conscripted and forced Eric Roberts, also an XCI agent or, or a current one or whatever, onto his team to help. But when shit goes down and it's discovered that uh, they're actually kidnapping the president, that this is, wasn't just some sort of setup, then Eric Roberts becomes John McClane and he has to take out this terrorist, who, by the way, is pretending to be this French-accented terrorist somehow with the name, what's his name, Ahmed? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is pre-9-11, so we'll let it slide for now. But... Uh, the, by the way, the chief of staff who orchestrates this whole fake kidnapping, played by Eliza Roberts, the wife of one Mr. Eric Roberts. But I want to go back to what you were saying just for a second, Liam. There's a scene in this where the bad guy, also the writer, he gets on a helicopter with the corpse of one of his people for reasons for reasons I'm still not sure I completely understand. And he, uh, he has the ability at this point to get away in a helicopter. But what he chooses to do, this is all part of his master plan, which... In retrospect, seemed absolutely psychotic. So he's up there in the plane. Sorry, in the helicopter. Don't want to get that uh, wrong. And he's dropping grenades from it. <laughs> First he's shooting from it, but then he starts dropping grenades. And every time he drops a grenade, it hits a uh, car and people fly from the explosion of this cars. And it is fucking crazy. <laughs> then he... Then... He somehow psychically realizes that they're going to blow up the helicopter because they realize the president is not in it and they can just kill him, which, you know, if they realized that earlier, he would have been completely screwed. So he tapes the, 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 the controls of the helicopter so it'll just spin in a circle. Then he jumps out of it onto the roof of a building and then they blow up the helicopter in really one of the most magnificent uh, pieces of uh, special effects I think I remember seeing. <laughs> Uh, in recent memory, certainly. And Liam, you're telling me that sequence did not excite you in a way that made you want to see what else was going to happen in this movie. No, it did not. It's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I think uh, part of what kind of wore out my patience with the movie was Brian Janice as the leader. Yes. He is a particularly bad actor. If you replace him with any number of other Eric Roberts slash Michael Madsen level figures at this time, any number, I think maybe this movie might have played a little bit better for me and I might have been into it. But between Brian Janice and then, honestly, I didn't love John Beck as President Fallbrook either. And those are two people I have to see a lot of in this movie. Um, I What I did like about uh, Brian Janice is that I, I think he is legitimately a martial artist, but every time he tried to throw a spin kick... They'd, he'd throw it, and it looked like it was going, like, way too low. And then they'd edit a foot <laughs> connecting yeah. way higher yeah. than the kick was thrown. I loved it oh so very much, Liam. 
<laughs> I mean, he definitely needs to work on that. For a tall gentleman, he did not have a good span on those kicks whatsoever. Will, going over to you, aside from Eric Roberts, who were the performances in this movie that really impressed you? Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Don't be afraid I, to really just give them all of your praise. <laughs> I don't think anyone comes out of this movie with any credit whatsoever. I mean, maybe Ice-T... Uh, he he no. feels he feels committed, <laughs> but he's he's just doing his usual kind of shouty, bad tempered. I'm a bit I'm feeling a bit crotchety, iced tea type of uh, performance. You telling me this guy gets off on little girls with pigtails? That's that's my iced tea. What do you think? <laughs> it was I... like he was suddenly on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But what about Michael Madsen? Will? Uh, I mean. Michael Madsen has phoned in many performances during his career, and here no kidding. he really is phoning in his performance because he's on a mobile <laughs> phone the entire fucking time. This his, character's in- not, his character's not even introduced properly. Uh, he just sort of suddenly appears in a helicopter, uh, sort of mumbling some stuff into a walkie-talkie, <laughs> and we're left to sort of suppose, oh, right, he's the guy in charge of this situation. They're, you know, they just... No opportunity to ineptly transition the plot from one thing to another is missed. Michael Every- Madsen plays. Sorry, I just want to make sure that the audience knows that Michael Madsen plays the hostage negotiator in this movie. Yeah. Every Michael Madsen line is delivered as if someone had just the minute before gone over the line with him, and then he just is sort of exhaustedly repeating it back. Yeah, yeah, that the president's in the helicopter. Burn him up. It's like someone had just said, okay, then say this, and then he just repeats it back in the most annoying tone of voice he possibly could. There's a part where he's talking to the terrorist, <laughs> to, 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 to the leader. And the leader puts the president on the phone to prove that he's with him and that he's alive. And the president's like, don't give him what he wants. And then he throws the phone off of the top of the building and it lands right in front of Michael Madsen, who just picks it up and just kind of flicks it apart into pieces in his hands. And he's like, well, I guess that's gone. Like that means anything at all. It is... Look, here's the thing. Okay, I'm going to say something rather controversial. I try not to say things that are controversial on this show, but Michael Madsen has been good in maybe five movies ever, and in the other movies he's been in, he's been fucking horrible. I mean, have you seen him in Sin City? Now, that movie, whatever your feelings are on that movie and the performances, and obviously these people are being filmed against a green screen for the most part, and it's very difficult to act in that. His performance in Sin City, which is only like 30 seconds at the beginning of it, is goddamn awful one of the worst performances i think i've ever seen by a real professional actor i think he just doesn't give a shit a lot of the times and when he gives a shit you can tell like you can really really tell uh there's not even like that base amount of giving a shit that he puts into the performance it very much like i'm gonna read my lines off the back of this walkie-talkie and no one's gonna say (laughs) (laughs) but let's go back to the action will what was your favorite action sequence in this film Oh, oh, there are so many to choose from. I I really love the one with the rug, which I think we've already sort of uh, touched upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this big shootout taking place uh, inside this office. Uh, I was amused by one of the characters sort of standing behind a pot plant, which appeared to be bulletproof um, from the <laughs> amount of gunfire that was going their way and didn't seem to be hitting them. But uh, Eric Roberts, yeah, he's under heavy fire. He rolls across the floor uh, like somebody who um, 
he's kind of feeling his joints every every kind of tumble um, and then he lands uh, very conveniently at the end of this carpet which he then manages to ripple with such force that it that it spins Brian Jeunesse at least five or six feet into the air I mean I don't know what I mean, Eric Roberts really must work out if he can uh, inflict that much force on a carpet. Well, I mean, I think that's fairly obvious. There is also a part, it's not really an action sequence, but there's a part where basically Eric Roberts is trapped with the president. And he only has like a gun with a few bullets in it. And they're out there with like automatic weapons. Basically, he's fucked. However, he has a master plan. He's going to turn around and shoot a glass window behind him so he can smash his way out of it. And then he ends up like rappelling down the side of the building. But what I wanted to say is, for some reason, he shoots this glass like seven times, including while he's already gone through it. He's still (laughs) shooting his fucking gun. And I'm like, just save a couple of bullets, Eric Roberts. But also, by the way, there's moments in this movie where they switch from Eric Roberts to a stuntman wearing an Eric Roberts wig, which made me laugh. So fucking hard. It was just, it was one of those glorious moments that you only get on the Eric Roberts is the The, fucking man podcast. Did it not not make you want an Eric Roberts wig? Oh yes, certainly. Honestly, if I had one, I look, I'm going to keep this on the DL, but why would I need a wife? I would just have that and a mirror. And that's my relationship for the rest of my life. The stunt moment that was the most ridiculous was John Beck hanging on the side of a building (laughs) And his stunt double not having the time to put a fake fucking mustache on? How hard is it to just glue a little bit of hair to somebody's lip so that they even vaguely resemble the man that they're supposed to be replacing? But no, we'll just film him clean-faced and that'll be fine. Considering the awful fake mustaches that occurred earlier in the movie, maybe we should be thankful. That, I like, by the way, that, that okay, so th- the movie starts with a uh, attack on the president. And it becomes clear, I think it's supposed to come, become clear very quickly, that it's a test, right? It's a, basically a scenario that they're going through to test all their security measures. By the way, uh, I should mention, and I noticed this very, uh, very much immediately, in this test that they're running, they have a fake president. So they have an actor playing the president. That actor is the lead male actor in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which I just watched like two days ago. And that guy's only been in like seven movies, and this is one of them. So that's interesting. <laughs> what a CV. <laughs> well, uh, he, he doesn't have much to do here. That's for sure. But um, I can't remember. Why, why was I talking about that, Liam? You were just explaining how it went down in the beginning. And, uh, and uh, oh, I don't actually remember. What were you trying to get at? Boy, what a fucking <laughs> awful host of this podcast I am. Uh, <laughs> no, I did you want. Were, you, said, you were saying it becomes clear pretty quickly when they're doing this test. But what was it? Because yeah. clear that, anyway. that, that it is a test. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that's oh, No, when, uh, during that sequence, there's a fight in a hotel room, and then Eric Roberts rappels down the side of a building so he can break into a window that hasn't been locked. But then somehow, magically, magically the rest of his team is in the room he just rappelled down the side of a building to get into. <laughs> which oh, leads no. you to be like, why did they just rappel into the... I don't understand. Okay, I remember what my point was, by the way, which is that Ice-T... Has, he's the head of the Secret Service, right? So he's hired these people to go through these the motions of this scenario. So he knows what they look like. In fact, he even makes a point to recognize Eric Roberts. So when they arrive later to do the actual kidnapping and all they have on are fake mustaches, how is it fucking possible that he doesn't recognize them immediately? Like, no, I know no, some no, of them no, are no, wearing no. wigs. Well, okay, come on, Liam. Purple sunglasses, man. Okay. Those purple sunglasses really throw you off. Okay, so... 
Michael Madsen with his John Lennon glasses looking through binoculars through the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was he thinking? Okay, I want to mention one more action sequence before we uh, we move on to talking about Eric Roberts. There's a part in this movie where Eric Roberts and the big baddie are on opposite sides of a swimming pool. And the baddie has the president of the United States. He has his arm around his neck. He has an automatic weapon in his hand. And they're shooting back and forth. It's very much like uh, the film Hard Boiled. <laughs> the John Woo movie. <laughs> they're shooting across. And uh, unfortunately, Eric Roberts moves so swiftly that these bullets are just hitting these uh, large barriers that he's hiding behind and can't manage to hit him at all. But thankfully... There is what is what happens here, Liam. I want you to say what happens in this action scene since you didn't enjoy this movie. Well, uh, he grabs. Is it a is it a a rope or a sign? It's like a it's like a banner, right? It's, it's, it's a piece it's of a, bunting. It's a piece of bunting. Yes, bunting. That's a oh. word that they have in the UK that I wouldn't use. But there, it's more. Yeah, if, uh, what would be the equivalent word for people who are not eloquent? Um, but let's just go with a rope. He grabs this thing and he swings across the pool and yes. he's swinging across sort of like, like Errol uh, fucking Flynn. Yeah, like Errol Flynn shooting <laughs> while this other guy's shooting at him. And what's amazing about the sequence is they're very close together and not hitting each other. Then he leaps off of the rope and he just is like he just is standing there or does he fall? And he, he rolls, he rolls, he rolls right in front of immediately. <laughs> shot in the leg like it's the least effective thing he could have possibly done i like that this was his idea that it worked at first and that he completely fucked it up by just ending by rolling in front of him and standing until he gets shot in the leg by the way in terms of someone accomplishing things on a leg that has been shot he, he first he runs up a fire escape like 30 goddamn floors and then has a one-on-one fight with the guy in the most meticulously choreographed fist fight i think maybe in cinema history it really is an amazing piece of work it's like they live crossed with the worst uh hong kong influenced american movie from that time period where there's like all this like the choreography is incredibly intricate but every once in a while like the guy will pick eric roberts up off the ground and like hang him over his shoulders and stuff it is a it is quite something. Now, we need to talk about the actor, Eric Roberts, who has given this podcast his name. He is the star of The Alternate. Uh, and we know him uh, as an action performer and things like Best of the Best. However, I don't generally think of him as an action star. In this movie, he is Bruce Willis, right? He is, well, in fact, he's made even more competent than Bruce Willis's character in Die Hard in the sense that he's supposed to be a badass who can handle himself no matter what. He's never, like, out of his depth necessarily. He can, he can ride a rope across the goddamn water. This is Eric Roberts at, at his most action-y. What did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie, Will? I liked him in this movie. I thought he was good. I think he, uh, I think he does one very important thing in this movie, which a lot of people don't do, which is he actually knows how to hold a gun. Right. Um, a, lo- a lot of the other actors in this movie, they, it's, uh, it's like they're children when, you, when you're kind of pretending that your fingers are guns and you're kind of doing a, a sort of overly stagey sort of moving around that a lot of the a lot of the actors seem to be sort of who've got weapons in this movie seem to be doing that at least eric roberts uh, knows how to uh, to uh, hold a gun but um i think uh, he does a couple of things that i really really enjoyed in this movie uh, right at the end of the movie after after saving the president 
um, and he's just sort of, you know, they're having a bit of a, a bit of a, a sort of a kind of calming down sort of chat. And Eric Roberts um, is very clearly adjusting himself uh, in front of the president. And by adjusting himself, I mean he's uh, adjusting his wedding tackle in front of the ah. president. And uh, he uh, he does does up his flies as well. And I, I, just, I thought that was a nice... Um, <laughs> A nice actorly touch, which I, I can't imagine that was in the script, but I think that's Eric Roberts kind of, you know, I know what this character would do at this particular point, And he would. You know, they actually call that move the actorly touch. <laughs> 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 Liam. Yes. Eric Roberts. What did you think of his performance in this movie that you did not enjoy? I didn't like the movie. Uh, it's not the greatest Eric Roberts performance, especially for a role like this, where I'd love to see him have a real freak out. You know, there, right. there are a few moments where he could have really just, uh, gone into Eric Roberts scenery chewing mode. But, uh, on the other hand, he wasn't terrible. And in a film like this, he, he certainly did better than, um, Brian Janice or, uh, uh, Larry Minetti. And, uh, and he certainly held his own far more than uh, Ice-T and Michael Madsen, both of which gave pretty terrible performances for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's nothing magical, but he's pretty good. And you were saying, you know, he does a lot of that. There's a lot of action in this movie. I expected every shot to be... Uh, simply a, a stunt double stunt with double, the right. with the wig. There's a couple of shots where you could clearly see it was him. Granted, sure. he wasn't doing anything too exciting, but at least they didn't completely phone the whole action aspect in at this point. Right, I think that's fair to say. And I, I also, he has to deliver some cool action hero lines in this movie, and they, they would be impossible for an actor to pull off. Some of them are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, speaking of that, before we get into whether he's the fucking man or not, we need to talk about the title of this movie, which is The Alternate. Now, I think that, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable title. It doesn't necessarily stick in the brain. I have to keep returning to it because I keep forgetting what it's called. However, I think it's pretty clear that this movie was originally titled something else. And the reason I say that is at the end of the movie, there's this piece of dialogue. I'm just going to play it very, very briefly. Wait a minute. That's the president. Wait. I don't even know your name. What do I call you? Mr. President, <laughs> you can call me the replacement. Now that's the final piece of dialogue in the entire movie. <laughs> it's obviously supposed to be a significant moment. He's the replacement. He was brought in as a replacement for this criminal team, right? And that's really important. He's the replacement. I think actually he even says earlier in the movie, I'm the replacement. You know what would be a great title for this movie? The alternate. <laughs> it becomes very clear once you saw that bit at the very end that this movie was originally supposed to be called The Replacement. They, uh, we've actually been discussing this off air, but um, there, there were movies at that time. There was The Replacements with Keanu Reeves, another guy who can hold a gun, by the way. Uh, and, of course, The Replacement Killers with Chow Yun-Fat. Both movies, by the way, significantly better than this. Uh, and that's not, not even a recommendation for either of them. <laughs> But but for some reason, they could not call this movie The Replacement, so that line at the end is fucking ludicrous that they left that in. It is It just blows my mind that they thought it would be just okay that someone would watch that and not just start laughing at the, at the fucking balls it took to have him say that and it not reference anything at all. Liam O'Donnell, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in The Replacement? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to give him the full the man title on this one. Okay, but 
Yeah, he is. I mean, he certainly carries this movie uh, almost entirely on his back with very little help, even from the name actors in it. Fair enough. Will, over to you. Fucking man or no? I am going to say that he is the fucking man, because if you uh, get past that scene that you've just played and uh, you watch the closing credits, there's a, a goof reel. And in that goof reel, you can see uh, a scene where Eric Roberts has to uh, catch a gun and kind of load it. And he uh, in the goof reel, he's doing it over and over again. And I think that shows the commitment that he brought to this role, that he wanted to get that moment absolutely right. I think if that was Michael Madsen doing that, he would have just been, ah, we're good, that's fine, that's okay. So I think, I agree with Liam, Eric Roberts absolutely carries this movie, so he is the fucking man, definitely. And I haven't even seen the goof reel yet, so I need to return to that so I can see exactly what you're referring to. I can't believe I missed the goof reel. Liam, can you believe I missed it? I can believe you missed it, yes. Okay, okay thank you so much. <laughs> Eric Roberts is, of course... The fucking man in 2000's The Alternate. It actually is a lot of fun, this movie. It also, by the way, some of the box art, if you can find it, is some of the worst <laughs> goddamn stuff you will ever see. I mean, it is so low rent. It looks like one of those, like, straight to, honestly, lower than straight to video, talking like made on a camcorder movies that I cover over on No Budget Nightmares. It is really dire in some cases. Some of them are okay, but man, there is some awful stuff out there. So keep an eye out for The Alternate from the year 2000. Have a little fun with your buddies and watch some Eric Roberts action. We're going to take a break. And when we return, we're going to talk about the television series Oz, the HBO series from the late 90s, early 2000s. Specifically, we're going to talk about season one, episode four, the fourth episode of the entire series called Capital P. We'll be right back after this. All my people who got somebody locked down right now. All right, fuck it. This for everybody who locked down right now. Fuck it. That's how we know. Yo, yo, yo. Lord Jamal, Talib Kweli, Cool G Rap. Yo, Word yo. Up. From the street blocks to sea blocks, sleep in the box, creep with the ox. Got beef from the shop, catch heat from the cops. That sharp blade, keep in the crotch. Prison guard, deep on the watch. Fifth pair, steep on the drop. If your knees knock, they peep and they pop. Though they not speaking a lot, they plot, eavesdrop, grease and they cock. Come to sharp meat in your chops. Flee the spot, cease in a knot. Get tied from your feet to the top. Get caught in the hall, make your blood skeet with a mop. If you do a shift in the let me take you back to the late 90s. HBO had a slogan that it's not TV, it's HBO. And that in some ways was referring to the fact that they showed a lot of movies, that's my understanding. But they also had television series, except you can't call it television because it's not TV, it's HBO. And it's separated from regular TV because it had things like swearing and nudity on it. And that kind of paved the way for the modern HBO that you and I Love that has shows like Game of Thrones on it, which I understand is a very popular television program, but it's not TV, it's HBO. But that started in the late 90s with shows like Oz, and Oz took place at a prison called Oz, and it basically was showing the day-to-day -day interactions between the inmates of this prison, and they also, I think, were trying to, um, to take a look at some of the heavier issues of the day and issues that still continue to this day. So episode four of Oz was really focused on the idea of capital punishment. That's the capital P of the title, and specifically the death penalty. So this uh, this episode features a character who has been sentenced to death. There's a lot of protests about it. There's a lot of inter-discussion among uh, the inmates regarding it. And, um, and we get to see kind of the ins and outs of that. Our feelings on this episode are somewhat uh, divisive. So I want to start with you, Liam. You did not much care for this episode of the television series Oz. Why is that? 
Well, <clears throat> I don't think it's a terrible episode. Um, there's aspects of it that I enjoy, uh, and I think it doesn't fall into the the trap of later Oz, which was so many plots and so much unnecessary violence and nudity. It was just basically started to devolve into just like the, the most sensational aspects and leave a lot of the um, content of the show behind. On the other hand, um, I think I kind of in retrospect, almost prefer some of that over the top exploitative content to right. episodes like this just because um the 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 episode attempts to take a real serious look at the death penalty and right. it it for me fails at that so much mm-hmm. that it kind of bums me out uh still though um some of the things i really find on an entertainment level disheartening about the series were not quite as bad on episode four season one um but overall i mean on it on just like an experience of the show i don't like the way it's filmed i don't like some of the the ways it attempts to be uh cinematic in that the camera is moving a lot and there's a lot of um conversations that seem to start mid conversation two people are just really close and the camera kind of almost falls into their lap as they're talking about something that you're supposed to already know what they're talking about and i that stylistically that kind of rubs me the wrong way and then at a higher level i think the show kind of pretentiously suggested that it was offering insight into prison life and it, it it certainly did not do that um i don't think anyone could make a an actually intelligent argument that it even really tried that hard to do that and instead just kind of exploited the worst aspects of what we assume prison life is like and so like on one hand i kind of when it when it the few episodes where it just completely let go of that gritty real we're accomplishing something here pretensions and just went full on lots of people getting murdered and lots of unnecessary sex there's at least like an 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 aspect to that that i can say like oh it's it's going full exploitation at this point i guess it's kind of fun but but um the 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 overall sort of suggestion that anything serious was going on which is highlighted by the gentleman who always has the narrative bits um that that all rubs me the wrong way. So, granted, this episode, in the larger scheme of things, is really not that bad, and our man Eric Roberts really adds something, I think, to the episode, even if the decision to include his plot, I think, is dumb. But uh, <laughs> his performance was really great. Okay, we'll get to that in just a little bit. And I actually, I, I, I see a lot of what you're trying to say, Liam. I do think that the seriousness and the grittiness of the show... I believe that's supposed to be tempered by the fact that there are a lot of exaggerated elements on it. Again, I'm not pretending to be an expert on the show, and you certainly watched a lot more of it than I. But that even comes down to the name of the show itself, right? There is uh, the suggestion that there is almost a heightened reality that's going on here. Not fantasy or anything or surreal necessarily, but certainly not necessarily you know, the, the real uh, honest truth of what's going on necessarily inside a prison. It's basically the worst of everything all kind of combining at once, but I, I do know some of the extreme things that were to come later in the show, and I'm almost kind of glad that we watched something that was fairly self-contained. I also thought it was interesting that they, the 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 person who was being sentenced to death, the first person, is sort of an idealized version of a someone in a prison who was mm-hmm. railroaded into a murder, who, who who sacrifices a kidney to save his sister. I mean, this happens on the episode, and it, you know, is obviously a, a a sincerely decent person, at least deep down, who wants uh, the best for his family. 
and and we're then we are introduced to another character played by Eric Roberts who is unrepentant uh, and has murdered many people and doesn't seem to give a shit about it at all. And we're you know we're again supposed to think about this this issue of the death penalty on a bit of a deeper level. But you're right. When you're talking in these cartoon characters and these cliches, it's a lot harder to get to the meat of what that issue actually is. That said, I think it can start a conversation even if it has no intention of finishing it. Will, over to you. What did you think of this episode of Oz? Well, I recognized some of the criticisms that Liam was making, but I, I kind of take issue with him on sort of uh, on, on one point, which is I don't think this Oz series was ever trying to be a realistic uh, portrayal um, of the American prison system because the this unit that uh, Oz essentially takes place in, where the majority of the characters are, is a, is a kind of is a sort of uh, fictional creation um, designed solely to engineer drama so there's a kind of experimental wing which is run by uh, by this guy called McManus and they kind of uh, there's a lot more interaction than would normally be allowed and they're engaged in various kind of educational programs so I don't I don't think that this program um, ever tried to set out um, to be a sort of realistic um, portrayal um, I, what I, I do think that it, it did try to um, provide uh, much deeper, uh, much richer characterization than I think we sit, we typically saw in TV programs um, at this time, and you know they do, uh, do, do, do do try to take on issues, and obviously the one that they're they're, they're dealing with here um, is capital punishment. Um, I think you know it isn't um, it isn't the it isn't perfect, I guess, in the sense that uh, you know some of the elements is of the of the plot are are slightly sort of artificial and you were talking about how you know this guy who's on death row and then he's got this terminally ill sister who needs a kidney transplant and you know the the, the kind of contrivance there the, the, you know the paralleling um between jefferson Keane's character and um eric roberts character and you see again that paralleling in members of the staff who taking um differing views on the death penalty so it's all trying to you know cram a lot of stuff um, into this episode, and so I think you you have to sort of buy into the that uh, an element of artifice within this. But you know, I I, I really enjoyed this episode. It, it kind of gives you a good um, you know a good combination of like some some you know thrashing around some kind of serious topics, um, you know, but then also the kind of uh, scheming Machiavellian world which uh, some of the characters in this in this uh, in this prison kind of uh, operate in. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it's an interesting show to return to, especially considering the um, – I know it's a kind of divisive uh, in and of itself, but the quality of a lot of uh, television programming that occur- that has happened since the late 90s where serialized programming has become a lot more popular. The shows like The Wire came and, and went, uh, which kind of set new standards for what people kind of expect out of HBO. And in fact, you can see in this program – uh, some of the groundwork being laid for something like The Wire because uh, the cast of Oz, I wrote this on Twitter, I think this might be the greatest ensemble cast of any show ever. I kept, as I was watching it, I just got, I was just reminded again and again, another person would show up, B.D. Wong would show up, or Frankie Faison who showed up, who was uh, memorably on The Wire as well. And of course, J.K. Simmons is on this, and Lee Turgeson, who is amazing, very underrated actor, and Rita Moreno is in this, and Edie Falco has a part in this, and I know that you're a big fan of Nurse Jackie, <laughs> Liam. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it just seemed like the cast was, it was never ending 
how like another amazing character actor showed up. And that, I guess, continued throughout the whole series. I believe Chris Melonia ends up joining the series a little bit later as well. Just all of these great actors working together. So even when you have difficulty maybe with the, the, the filmmaking style or some of the pretentiousness of some of the dialogue, at least you have these amazing performers delivering it. So uh, speaking of the of the acting quality, and maybe you, you can disagree with me if you'd like. Going back over to you for a second, Liam, who who do you think acquitted themselves the best in this episode? Ooh, I, I mean, it's easy for me to focus on um, Eric Roberts because he gets to just drop in and have this character, and some of the sure. other some of the other performances. It's hard because if you haven't watched the series sort of regularly, and and I haven't gone back to it since mm-hmm. a, you know for a while um it's hard to remember sort of like what their kind of place is um i would say that i i actually really liked the first uh gentleman who was going to be executed as well i thought yeah he's, he's very good was was pretty good um i played play by played by an actor named leon a single name like Cher or madonna yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh the so one of the many subplots there's the the lawyer gentleman who wants to uh who wants to defend him? Uh, I that that actor is not my favorite. Really? Uh, Did you not like him in the weird science television show where he uh, replaced Bill Paxton's character as Chet? Yeah, yeah. I, I it's funny because when I first saw him on Oz back in the day, I remember thinking, "How do I know this dude?" Like I like something about him, and it, it took me a long time to figure it out. But I only watched a couple. Uh, episodes of the weird science TV show. So I don't know why that stuck out to me, but, uh, <laughs> but he interacts a good deal with um, JK Simmons, JK Simmons, who I love in almost everything. Uh, his character on the show is pretty despicable in mm-hmm. basically every way. Um, though they briefly try to like humanize him in a really gross way. But now you say, you say despicable. Uh, now, certainly at the time, neo-Nazis were not popular. But in your country now, it seems like they're having a bit of a resurgence. So uh, is he so despicable now for you? Uh, yeah, you know, funny enough, uh, I'm not a big fan. I mean, to be fair, he's not the Steve Bannon branch of, of, of neo-Nazis. Uh, fair enough. Because Steve Bannon uh, would never get in a fight. So I think they wouldn't have that in common. Oh, burn um, on Steve Bannon here on the Eric Roberts <laughs> No, but I, I do think I do think he he brought a lot to that character. Um, even if I don't like the way the character was written, always I think he he really he really does it. The only, in fact, I would say most of the performances are not even really uh, bad per se. Like there's not, it's not like I watch a show and I'm like, oh, everyone on this sucks. I think a lot of actors on it are, are doing a pretty okay job. The one gentleman whose name I always forget, but he does commercials a lot now. Um, Dean Winters is probably who you're thinking of. Yeah, his his character's name is like O'Reilly or something like that. Yeah, Ryan yeah. O'Reilly. Yeah, Ryan O'Reilly. I hate him. Like, always <laughs> have, probably always will. Even, have you watched him on 30 Rock? Yeah, he's kind of funny on 30 Rock. I mean, but that's one of those jokes that works because he can't act. All right, dummy. He's my favorite <laughs> character in this series. You're he's a crazy like, person. He's, he's like a cockroach. He just is completely vulnerable. He's basically on his own, yet he's so... He just uh, weasels his way, uh, plays people off against each other. I love him in this uh, in this series. No, I can't. I don't. I like do. Him. Uh, you're that, a fool. That's, yeah. fair. 
Yeah, you're a fool. That's exactly right. <laughs> By the way, I love that this show gives Ernie Hudson a really strong role that he can sink his teeth into because what an underrated actor he is. And he really yeah. – he carries his his scenes so well. I also want to give a quick shout-out to the late Tony Musante who's in this movie. He plays uh, Nino who uh, is sort of the leader, I guess, of the Italians in the in the, uh, in the the prison. But, of course, Tony Musante is best known for The Bird of the Crystal Plumage, the famous Dario Argento movie where yeah. he's the lead in that. Uh, I want to go over to you, Will. Uh, a Aside, I guess, from your uh, favorite Dean Winters, uh, any other performers uh, stand out to you on Oz? Um, well, I'd agree with you about uh, in this episode, I thought Leon, uh, the guy who played um, uh, Jefferson Keene, he was really great. Um, uh, Terry Kinney, I think, um, in this episode, he, uh, he do, he's doing some good work and he's, of, he, he's good um, throughout this uh, series. And uh, you see something of his, actually, you see an element in this, uh, in this episode of his character, which always really puzzled me about the series, because he seems to be uh, a complete swordsman. I don't know. He's uh, very popular with the ladies. I don't really, right. I don't really uh, see it myself because he's this sort of bleeding heart liberal, you know, he's getting, you know, the wool po- pulled over his, over his eyes by these prisoners. Yet, uh, you know, the ladies keep uh, keep falling for him. I, I, You know, it was a constant look, source of puzzlement to me. Look, Will, as a bleeding heart liberal myself, I can assure you that I'm a coxman of the highest order. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. I, I must, see what you you're saying. You must exchange some notes with me later. <laughs> well, I kept my hair. That's the big thing. Um, but... <laughs> But I, no, I see exactly what you're saying. Again, a lot of strong performances here. There is something really unusual about the structure of this episode because uh, a good three quarters of it, if not more, is dedicated to the story of this prisoner on death row, um, the uh, the Jefferson Keene character. And then he is executed. And then right afterwards, we are introduced. Uh, we're introduced briefly right before he dies, but we're really introduced to the character that Eric Roberts plays in this uh, episode, and the, the episode kind of focuses on him for the final maybe 15, 20 minutes or so. I think uh, anyone going into this episode is like, I gotta watch Eric Roberts. You're gonna be wondering, hey, w- when are we gonna get to the Eric Roberts factory? Um, but when he arrives, boy, he really is something. This is top tier. I'm saying right now, I think this is top tier Eric Roberts. He throws himself into the monologues he gets uh, with with such vigor, and, and he's playing such a Again, a scumbag character, which we've seen him play before, but not with this kind of level of malevolence, uh, at least uh, very rarely. I'm going to stick with you, Will. What did you think of Eric Roberts in this episode? Oh, he's so good in this episode. He is so good. He he's does, uh, he kind of does this kind of, pl- he's got this kind of playful, charming quality, but mm. then he takes it into a super dark territory. He goes on this monologue where he reveals... Um, sort of all of the murders that he's done and he talks about kind of why why he did them and you know he gets some fantastic dialogue here and he absolutely kind of uh, makes the most of it and he's you know absolutely a magnetic uh, piece of acting in the, in the, in this episode from uh, from our man Mr. Eric Roberts. Yeah I, I was again it, it's so nice to see I, it's just been a while, and I, I I hate to say this on a show about Eric Roberts, but it's it's been a while for us in the last few episodes where we saw him really tear into a performance like this, and I really think he acquits himself well. But again, it is kind of strange in terms of the structure 
of the episode. And he has a lot of kind of funny accoutrements where he's like has a yo-yo that he keeps playing with. And um, he, by the way, he's a serial uh, um, strangler of women. Uh, and he admits to this long list of female names of people that he's killed. It's actually uh, quite impressive that he's able to kill that many people. <laughs> I was impressed at the very least. But uh, he also, by the way, just briefly brings up uh, the idea of attending basically this camp for wealthy people, and he brings up uh, powerful men like one Mr. Donald Trump, which briefly took me out of the episode and made me think about the horrible world in which we live. Liam, over to you. What did you think of Eric Roberts in this episode? I mean, he is really great. He brings something... Again, I don't think any of the acting on the episode is, is really terrible, but he stands out for me in his performance and really brings... Um, something kind of fun. Now, granted, he can do that to some extent because it's this one-time thing. He's right. got this one character. I don't like. I said, like I sort of said, I don't love the way his character functions in what the episode is doing. But it doesn't. I don't spend as much time thinking about it as I normally would. It would. It would probably drive me a little crazy because he's just so fucking like just he and it works so well in the scene he does with and I don't know the actor's name but the uh priest he does he has that's, that's bd wong bd wong so i he's also in that show gotham right bd wong is i believe he is and of course yeah. he was he was on law and order for a long time as was jk simmons actually a lot of these people ended up in law and order at one time or another yeah yeah, yeah. I, he, I haven't watched a lot of law and order so i don't i didn't know him from that but uh but uh, the, their energy, you know, he he's very reserved and and, and is clearly disturbed by uh, Eric Roberts' character. And Eric Roberts like plays off of that so well and really kind of lives into it. It was like a really interesting scene and one in which I wasn't annoyed by some of the other things that kind of get on my nerves about the show. Yeah, as self-contained sequences, I, I think you can even agree, Liam, despite your cynicism, that that uh, there are parts of this that works work very, very well. Yeah, certainly, and and I think that um, they, and I don't know why, but they they don't do as many of the distracting camera things for Eric Roberts's part. Uh, there's really only that one cut where it cuts from the cell to he's on the table and he right. is sort of all of a sudden admitting that he's not ready for this. But that actually is one of the few things that works really well. Like it's actually really effective the way they do that. Right. Right. Well, but that's oh, sorry. Yes. Over to you, Will. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, he gets this great monologue where he sort of talks about uh, uh, love and possession and how like he has to kill these women because if he if he loves them, then they possess him, and then he has to uh, then he has to kill them, and it's it's so dark. Uh, I think that the dialogue in that uh, in that scene is is really good, and obviously Eric, you know, he can work with that. And uh, I think we also need to pay tribute to the magnificent uh, hair and beard combo that he has. Yes, in this episode. quality beard, a rare beard on the Eric Roberts face in this episode. He carries it. Very well. And of course, that yes, that monologue is wonderful. And it's great that he's delivering it to B.D. Wong, who we all know uh, unleashed the dinosaurs on us in the movie Jurassic Park. <laughs> he was responsible for it and continues to be. My understanding is that uh, he, he will be in the uh, newest of that series as well. So um, it, when the dinosaurs run rampant, we, of course, will blame B.D. Wong. And when women are getting strangled, we will blame Eric Roberts. Will, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this episode of Oz? Absolutely the fucking man. Absolutely, I love that. And how about you, Liam? You gotta say it, boy. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Well, don't bring any enthusiasm to it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Eric Roberts! 
It's a twofer. Eric Roberts is very, very much the fucking man. In fact, this gets the all-star seal of approval on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. One of the great Eric Roberts television performances. Look, this is a guy, this is an actor who makes a lot of one-offs on a lot of shows. We've mentioned a bunch of them here. But uh, the ability to come into a show like this, which has a cast that's already so strong. Like I said, one of the greatest ensemble casts maybe in the history of the medium. And not only acquit himself well in the final 20 minutes, but... Basically steal the show away from everyone else. I think that shows that what we're talking about when we talk about Eric Roberts being the fucking man, we're not we're not blowing smoke. We're not joking around. This is the reality. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. You better believe it. You better tattoo it on your skin. You better make your blood oath because we're living it. We live it every day, don't we, Liam? Yes. We live it. And we're going to continue living it. But first, <laughs> we're going to take a break. And then we're going to come back. We're going to do some plugs and we're going to say good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Episode number 45 is in the can. I want to thank my guest, Will Slater, so very much for taking time out of his busy, late schedule and coming on to talk to us about really two terrific Eric Roberts projects. Very diverse, very interesting, with two great Eric Roberts performances. Will, thank you so much. And tell us, where can people find you on the internet? Well, thank you. It was an honour and a privilege to be on today. So if you want to check out uh, the world of exploding helicopters in movies, then you can uh, check out my blog where I do uh, review uh, different films with uh, one of these uh, fiery delights in. So you can find my blog at explodinghelicopter.blogspot.com or you can check out my podcast. Uh, So if you just go to iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, we're in all the usual places. If you just... uh, Search for Exploding Helicopter, you can find us there. And if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, then just follow me at Chopper Fireball. Now, Will, what what was featured on the most recent episode of your podcast? So on the most recent episode of the podcast, we were looking at the uh, 1991 action movie, Stone Cold, featuring the legendary Brian Bosworth, the American footballer turned uh, actor. And it has a fantastic experience. The most fantastic. You're right. It's ch- I'm changing my answer to the one from Stone Cold where the motorcycle goes out through the window and smashes into the helicopter. Isn't that what happens in that movie? That is exactly what happens. And it is a fantastic moment. Oh, my God. I need to. I'm going to listen to that episode because I love Stone Cold. And now I'm having weird flashbacks of how fucking crazy and great that particular moment is. Everyone listen to this podcast. That's what I say. And when I say this, I mean your podcast, Will. Oh, wow. Thank you very much. You're too kind. <laughs> I am too kind. It's what people say about me. Liam, you're you're doing stuff as well? Yeah, a couple of things here and there. <laughs> but besides procreating? <laughs> I mean, mostly procreate. I, no, I... The, boom. Procreating's the fun part. I'm mostly changing poo diapers now. <laughs> really? Is your wife feeling okay? <laughs> You're the worst. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Cinep- Cinepunks.com. That's at, at Cinepunks on Twitter. 
Is there anything else going on in the near future? Any festivals we should be looking out for? Um, no, I mean, I, we have a thing coming up. If you go to uh, Cinepunks on Facebook, uh, we announced uh, an event in – it's a pretty far off actually in June. But mm-hmm. we're going to be the Philadelphia premiere of the New York Hardcore documentary. Right. Um, uh, well, actually, this is not – this is not the original New This is the New York Hardcore Chronicles. Oh. Uh, and what will be interesting about that, besides the fact that it's a much larger uh, uh, swath of time than the original New York Hardcore documentary, mm-hmm. is that we're also going to do a live podcast recording at that oh. screening. And uh, Mike Judge will be there and some members of Antidote and I think Biohazard. So that'll be fun. Uh, that's in June. And like I said, the info's on Facebook. Other than that, we don't have a lot of other events coming up. Um, so Sorry, Mike Judge, the, the creator of King of the Hill, is going to be there? No. No? No. Oh, the creator of Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> the idiocracy guy. <laughs> Uh, at Cinepunks, that's Punks with an X uh, on Twitter. At uh, on Twitter, yeah, that's right, with an X. And you are at Liam Rules on Twitter. I am at Liam Rules. Yes, I am at Doug underscore Tilly on Twitter. That's T I L L. E-Y. You can find out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man at ericrobertsisthemand.com. Per- please subscribe via iTunes or one of those other things that were mentioned earlier and leave us a review if you get the opportunity. You can also find Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. Also on Facebook, do a search and you can join our Eric Roberts is the fucking man group. You can find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com and you can search for that in the regular places as well. You can find my writing over at the Grindhouse Network or on Dorkshelf. Com. I'm all over the place, but mostly if you need to track down what I'm doing, go to my Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. But with that said, we need to say goodnight to Eric Roberts. We need to say goodnight to all the Eric Roberts projects we've yet to watch, but we shall watch due to our uh, blood oath that we've made. I should mention, by the way, that you should, of course, follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts as well to keep up really on how much he's talking to Richard Marks, how much he's talking to David Duchovny, all the retweeting he's doing in regards to that. It's not something you're going to want to miss. The, the relationship is getting deeper and stronger and more bizarre by the day. So please, check that out. Check out us. We'll be back in two weeks with more Eric Roberts classics. Good night, one and all. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. 